We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of setting the pace i'm here with Fachi as always and we have a special guest back i don't even know the last time he came on kb but it's been a few minutes but we got kevin bowen in the house from 107.5 the fan kb what's going on boys good evening always uh always enjoy hopping on so uh yeah appreciate the time crazy that we're about what 10 days away from some things getting started here yeah, absolutely and i think the best place to start off is Recent news just came out, I think it was Wednesday night, that Shams Sharana reported the Pacers and Buddy Hield uh, could not come to a contract extension, and it looks like the Pacers could move, look to move Buddy to a different team, and uh, it, it kind of makes sense, but I'm just curious your thoughts when you heard this and kind of the timing of when this came out. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not like totally, totally shocked. I mean, I, you know, I've always thought that Kevin Pritchard's pretty candid than most when he gets in those press conference settings. And you go back to last April and you remember those comments about, you know, we've got to come to an agreement. And I'm paraphrasing here on, you know, what the role is going to look like and extension wise and things like that. You know, that to me kind of threw up a little bit of yellow flag of like, oh, okay, this is something to keep an eye on. You know, this is not something that just, oh, yeah, he's under contract for another year. He's, you know, Hal Burton's buddy, all those things, um, no pun intended there. And, you know, he's going to be on the on the team for 20, 2023 and 2024. Um, but still, I mean, I guess just kind of seeing it, it did kind of take take you, uh, uh, at least me, a bit of like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I guess we're back into like NBA news and <laughs> this stuff um, is going to start to arise again. Um I'll be honest, guys, I'm, I'm probably team keep buddy than most. And and I think, you know, when we've had conversations in the past, I'm very open-minded to the rebuild and thought it was a great idea and really preached the need for long-term assets and flexibility and those sorts of things. So I understand that, like, 
there is a part of the equation that you would still try to get some of that in moving Buddy. And and I do think that that is important, but I also think Buddy does a whole lot for you and I think can continue to do a whole lot for you. And I know this doesn't mean like the door is slammed shut on it, um, but I just don't think you take for granted his durability and his skill set. And no one else on the roster jumps off the page at me with that as kind of a ready-made replacement. So those would be some of my concerns if you were to get moved. Yeah, I think Buddy did a great job of, you know, when he came over in the trade with Halliburton. People didn't know, hey, is he going to be rerouted? How long is he going to stay? What are they going to do? I think he's always kind of had that, are the Pacers going to move him or not? But you mentioned the durability. He's only missed six games in seven years. That is unheard of now in the NBA. Leads the NBA in three-pointers made over the last five years. I mean, he truly is one of the best three-point shooters the game has seen. Yet maybe at times fans do take it for granted. But now that it sounds like they are going to look to come to some sort of trade, do you think this is going to linger over the team? Or do you think the Pacers and Buddy are are fully 100% expected to be, hey, we're going to go in game after game lock in, try and make the playoffs, and when the time comes, we'll find the right deal? It's a great question. I mean, honestly, the Turner situation last year, if you want to compare it to that, that played out, I thought, relatively smoothly. And obviously it helps when the Pacers kind of overexceeded win-wise early in the year, and Turner was playing pretty good basketball as well. You know, if Buddy doesn't love his role coming off the bench or, you know, you do start to lose, you know, how does that impact some of that stuff? So that's why I am curious while there's no real deadline in this, I mean, yeah, I guess we do have a trade deadline coming up in February. And, um, you know, it, do they view something before the start of the season as a bit of a deadline? And, and maybe this is why this information is starting to get out, you know, a week and a half before training camp begins. Um, so I am a little curious to that, just because I do think Buddy probably has a little bit of volatility to him. I mean, not a, a ton, but I could see that being a little bit more of an issue where I do think Miles has really been a pretty good soldier uh, behind the scenes throughout all of this, um, or I should say all of the trade rumors that he had to deal with. But, um, you know, again, I, I'm a little torn, but I'm probably team keep buddy. And I just think when you look at what he brings to the floor, it's instant credibility and it's instant respect from the defense. And that is such a luxury that you cannot take for granted, in my opinion, um, he immediately spaces the floor. That defender can't leave him. And if you give Tyrese Halliburton space, he's going to, you know, torch defenses with that. And he's going to take advantage of that. And if Buddy's not on the floor uh, and you shrink that space, and again, I don't see anybody on this roster that, sure, I'd love to see Matherin get more minutes. I'd love to see Nemhard get more minutes. But, you know, you would be losing a big, big part. And obviously there are other areas where Buddy struggles. You know, I don't know if he could guard any of us three. But, you know, so on that end of the floor, you know, certainly that is a, a question mark. But in a league that's more offense and defense and a league that's about shooting, um, I think he would be a big loss. And I know we've had this conversation before of, you know, his his skill set is not something that I think will age uh, very quickly. I mean, this is not, you know, Victor Oladipo attacking the rim and you worry about, you know, him finishing at the rim at 6'4 as he reaches into his you know late 20s, early 30s, and then obviously the health concerns that arose from that. I mean, Buddy has proven to be durable, and, and shooting is something that can last into your 30s as well. So um, that's where I, 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 I tend to side. Now, again, I can listen to everybody that says he can't guard anybody, and he's never been in a playoff game, and it is an expiring deal, and you need to have more flexibility moving forward than just the – 
what what the one additional first rounder that you have next year. So I I, I hear people out, and, and I probably won't argue too too much against it. But if you were going to make me pick, I think I'm pretty much try to get an extension done because I do think you've got some cap space right now to try and do that. And I think he's a guy that can really help you for the next two to three years. Yeah, I think what was most interesting to me was this offseason when the Pacers signed Bruce Brown. It, it did feel like, okay, we're getting a little bit crowded now at this guard position. And then they did draft Ben Shepard, but I don't really factor him into the rotation this year. I think he's going to be the 15th man on the roster, basically, between him and Daniel Tice, probably. So it, it just it's one of those interesting dynamics because Bruce Brown's a really good player, and he does a lot of different things that Buddy doesn't do. But like you said, you can't devalue what Buddy brings to the team or what he brings to any team, really, because that shooting is lights out. Fachi, you said it like it's elite shooting numbers that it's top of the league. So you are going to miss something. But I do understand, like you said, KB, the reasoning why the Pacers might do this. And the reason why I don't think they necessarily came to an extension is because they do want to keep their options open for next summer. If you lock up a lot of money to Buddy Hill next summer, that does limit what you could do. If somebody that's a little bit more valuable, let's just throw it out there, a guy like Pascal Siakam or OG and Anobi leaves Toronto and hits free agency, don't you want to have a chance at going after one of those guys instead of being locked down with Buddy Hield? So that to me, KB, is a big reason why I don't think the Pacers necessarily gave him a serious offer in terms of an extension offer. Yeah, and, and those are brilliant points, and, and and I think those are things that you have to look at. And, you know, I do love the word that Kevin Pritchard always uses from that flexibility standpoint because I do think that's important, particularly in a market like this, when if you can be in a position to pivot at the drop of a hat, that can help you get involved in some deals that maybe some other teams just can't. Um, and then there's also part of me that's like, well, when you have good players that bring a skill set that's valued league-wide and they have expressed interest in wanting to be here, um, and Tyrese Halliburton clearly is a huge, huge fan of him on the floor and off the floor, you know, that's stuff that I don't think we should totally overlook either. Um, so this is one that I feel like if we were in debate class, you, you, you could be pretty strong both ways on it. Um and you bring up a really good point, Alex, about, you know, what next summer could look like and the ability to try to attract, you know, a much, much bigger fish that this market has really not been able to to go after. And there is just an element of me of and this goes back to the Turner thing last year. My thing with Turner is, you know, if you weren't going to get to an extension by the trade deadline, you had to move him. That I mean, that was kind of my biggest calling card of like. You just aren't, as the Indiana Pacers and the NBA, given the markets and given the free agency challenges and all of that, if you have assets, you either keep those assets as in players or you make sure that you get something in return for them. You can't let guys walk. It, it just, you just can't do it. And, and it really hamstrings you. And it's going to be harder, of course. You, you, you hope not to be drafting in the single digits here moving forward. So that's where I am with Buddy. The deadline is not tomorrow by any means. It's not October 1. It's not October, you know, whatever, 25th opening night. But as it lingers into the season, if you can't come to terms on an extension, then I do think you have to move. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And do you think this is more of uh, the Pacers keeping their uh, their options open to sign one of those bigger players that we talked about? Or do you think it's more of trying to put that emphasis on developing playing time for Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard going into year two where those were guys that played big minutes for the Pacers last year, both around 28 minutes per game. Then you bring in Bruce Brown. You bring in a few other players where it starts to become that there was a, a log jam at the two and three spots. Do you think this is more of uh, emphasizing player development or to say we want to really keep the books clean moving forward? We're not going to, you know, offer that contract that maybe buddy wants in that $20 million or more range. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I tend to think it's a little bit more about, boy, I, I tend to think it's flexibility, but at, at the same time, you know, certainly Matherin and Hard and just the log jam that, you know, both of you have talked about. I mean, you can't ignore that. And obviously um, when you get a pencil out and you start looking at, okay, what's your starting five, what's your rotation look like? I mean, I can get to a dozen guys that I feel pretty good about or at least somewhat good about. And, you know, a lot of that is in, in, in kind of that that backcourt range there. So I do think that's a nice byproduct of it. But I, if I had to pick one, of the, one or the other, I would just go back to, again, what Kevin always seems to say, which is flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. And I do think that's the biggest thing here. Um, and also, you know, I think in the back of his mind, he realizes that there's not just the, you know, financial standpoint of you would have you know more available to do some stuff next summer but what could you get for him because you know if if you can fall into this trend which they have done kind of recently here of keeping on getting additional first round picks I know it's not gonna be as easy moving forward that obviously is tremendous and can be such a weapon for you when you do get to that point come mid-February at some point here maybe it's this year maybe it's in the next couple of years where you get to mid-February now you want to be the one you know, dangling that first round pick carrot and saying, okay, what can we add? Can we get over the hump with this piece here? Um, now, of course, I look at Buddy and think, isn't he that piece for like a lot of teams? And, and I think he'd be, I would be fascinated to see the league interest because to me, it would be through the roof of mm. how durable he is, the weapon he is behind the arc. Um, you know, certainly he's come off the bench before, you know, who knows if he'd be thrilled with it, but I think he would be if it would be kind of a legit championship type of team. So, uh, Fauci, it's a great question, but I, I'd probably lean more towards the flexibility of it. All right. We, we've talked a lot about Buddy Hill. Now, I'm curious if we're going into this season, 23-24 season for the Pacers. A lot of different things that we're probably all excited to see, but I'm curious, KB, what's the one thing that you're most interested in seeing play out for this Pacers team next season? Well, you know, I mean, the man crush that I've had on Benedict Matherin for, for, for quite a while. So just what does year two look like? You know, it's um, he's an explosive player, but I mean, there's a lot of things from an explosive standpoint that can also <laughs> go awry at times and 
reining that in is certainly you would rather have to rein it in than to rev it up. But reining it in at times can certainly be um, a bit of a challenge. And just what does it look like? What does he as a playmaker look like? What does it look like if you're asking him to, you know, not maybe isolate himself as often and to, you know, try to be a facilitator to try to be a playmaker and make that extra pass and, you know, was the next game the final game of the year and a career high in assist for him? You know, was that a fluke? Was summer league a fluke? You know, like all of those moments um, that we have to go off of here over the last, you know, six or seven months for him. But I just think big picture, like, is he the is he the Robin? Um, or do you feel like you need to go out and find somebody more? Um, is the shooting percentage always going to be a 32 34 percent thing or is it you know going to get a little closer to 40 because you know, i think the volume at arizona it lended me to think he could be maybe a little bit better shooter than he showed as a rookie so i would probably go there i mean there's a lot of storylines that i'm intrigued by how the minutes get divvied up you know is bruce brown like a legit legit whatever two or three guy on a on a playoff team um you know, certainly Turner, just what he looks like in year two of being the guy. Um, you know, the four position has been such a long debate that we've had. And and with Tyrese, it's just now, like, I think he got it for the most part last year, but now he's really going to get it. Like, you are the unquestioned hunted on the scouting report. And I think, you know, I'm sure all of us watch the World Cup. I mean, those international teams would, would hunt him on the defensive end of the floor like no other. And you know he's going to get that in the NBA as well. So how he handles that. And, and how does this team in general just handle, like, more of a expectation? You know, last year was the happy-go-lucky, feel-good story, all of that. And now I think it, they should realistically be in the mix for the five or the six seed and how they handle that. And the adversity that inevitably happens with that, I think, will be something that'll be a big storyline as well. You know, I, I think Matherin is really where everybody's saying if, if he can figure it out, you know, the Pacers really it raises the ceiling of that team. But, you know, maybe you, Matherin included, who do you think is poised for the biggest breakout on this Pacers team last year? It was Miles Turner having a career year. We also saw. Other guys like Aaron E. Smith go from not playing too much with, with the Celtics to then being a big part of this team. Obviously, Bruce Brown was someone that on the Nuggets ended up having a, a big impact. Who do you think could have that breakthrough, really big impact for the Pacers next year? Yeah, I'm um I'm really curious to see what Obi Toppin does. Me too. You know, again, maybe I'm falling into the trap of, you know, what he did against the Pacers, but those start reserve splits are, are pretty astonishing, they particularly are. shooting. You know, when you looked at the volume of three-point attempts he had as a starter, it was a high number, and the percentage was also a high number. I go back to, you know, Miles Turner's comments a couple months ago about how when they went to Vegas, the thing that stood out to them, to him more than any other, was Obi's shooting ability. Um, and again, I don't think that would be something that w I would have thought of first. And, you know, I, I think naturally Tyrese – just creates great opportunities for guys from the perimeter. So um, I, and, and I think those two are pretty close as well. If I'm not mistaken, it's a similar agency, similar marketing agency, something along those lines. So um, that, that'll be the name and, and, you know, former lottery picks probably always pique that interest and you know, he's always going to give you a floor and that floor is going to be, you know, the high, you know, the, the high flyer and the athlete that, you know, Halliburton's going to find as well. But, you know, do you get to a little bit more of the lottery skill that, 
you know, people thought was there and did it get stunted at all in New York because him and Julius Randle have some similarities in the position that they play and a little bit of their style. So, um, yeah, he would be the one um, that I would probably label as, you know, most intriguing potential breakout, something like that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun year for Obi Toppin because we've talked about it all offseason. You know, he's in the contract year, so this has got to be a chip on his shoulder. Prove to everybody that he is a legitimate starter. But I do think that Jairus Walker is going to make things interesting. I thought Jairus Walker really showcased what he could do at such a young age in summer league. And once again, he was the eighth overall pick too. So how do you think Jairus impacts this team as a rookie next season? Yeah, you know, those minutes especially, you know, I've gone back and forth of like, okay, what exactly is the four position going to look like? Do you fall into this trap where you say defense, defense, defense? And that means it'll be Walker or, you know, do you think you'll need a little bit more of an offensive jolt? So maybe it's Obi. Uh, I really, really was impressed with Walker in the summer league on the offensive end of the floor. And just that I felt like he had an unbelievable feel that sometimes you just when, when you talk about great defensive players, sometimes they, they just are a liability and vice versa. I mean, Buddy Hill's a great example. He's obviously an outstanding offensive player, but, you know, clearly a liability on the other end of the floor. So. I think with Walker, you know, Houston, I mean, you know, two really ball dominant guards and and that team that, you know, you know, probably played a lot of games a little bit more at a um at a slower pace at times or wanted to kind of grind things out. So you didn't really get a great feel for what he was offensively. And I liked what I saw. And obviously he's the number one or two option pretty much every night in summer league. He's obviously going to be the number four or five option when he's out on the floor for the for the Pacers. So um, defensive instincts are through the roof. You can obviously see that. And so um, I am, you know, really, really curious just to see exactly how he blends. Is it a starter? Is it off the bench? Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was a great pick and, you know, back and forth on Taylor Hendricks or him. But um, to me, it uh, it's a guy that, you know, was needed and uh, how he exactly fits will be a, a fun thing to watch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think Taylor Hendricks, Jarris Walker, that was the real debate amongst Pacer fans. Uh, that's why when we all heard Bilal Koulibaly on draft night, it, it was a stunner <laughs> for everybody. I mean, no one saw that coming, but obviously it was Jarris Walker the whole time. But, you know, we, we talked about the draft. We talked a little bit about adding, you know, Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown. So overall in this offseason, was it what you hoped for the Pacers or did you maybe say – you know what, I thought we would have took a little bit of a bigger swing or I thought we would have went for it a little bit more. Or was this, you know, good for you, stay in the course? Yeah, I would say good for me, stay in the course. Um, I think it's important to let Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin get a full season together of being, you know, 1-1-A, one, one however you want to describe it. Um, you know, Bruce Brown, I think, injects something that was really needed in multiple areas, but I don't think he injects it in a way where, like, you know, he just all of a sudden just uproots everything. Uh, he doesn't strike me as that personality. 
Um, and, and I don't think Toppin and, and Walker would fall into that category either with their playing styles or their personalities. So I just didn't view this as the offseason where all chips needed to be into the middle of the table. You know, I know obviously when the Pacers have the amount of cap space and the draft capital that they did, stuff like that gets talked about a lot. And sure, there are some intriguing names out there, but you know, that I, I, I just like the the growth to be just kind of organically and, and, and a bit naturally. And I think they've done a very nice job committing very hard to the rebuild, but not getting a little bit too hyper at moments where it's like, Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. You know, yeah, chance, chance, chance. Um, you know, you can kind of take your time with it. And as long as you you know have critical pieces that you feel like are there, um, you don't have to all of a sudden start scrambling to, you know, Oh, let's try and jam this puzzle piece in there and see if it fits. So, um, yeah, I I was very content with it. Um, I do think you're reaching a point as a franchise, though, where and I know we've had this kind of conversation before where, OK, it's time to win and it's time to win in April. It's time to win in May. And we all know the stats of what five years without a playoff win um, you know, period. And then obviously it's approaching a decade for a playoff series. I mean, those are when you compare those to the other 30, 29 franchises in the NBA, I mean, that's that's not good. So, you know, you don't want to make sure that all of a sudden you get used to this. And I don't think they will, but um, I think it's important to experience meaningful basketball and not just think, you know, once you get the trade deadline, Hey, who are you going to shut down in the final couple months? Um, I think that's an important step that needs to be taken this year. I totally agree with that. And last year, you know, I know you slammed the over on 25 wins and kudos to you for slamming that, but they get 35 this year. I think the over under is at 35. It might be maybe 37, 37 and a half. I think okay. it was. I thought that it was moved up. I yeah. I knew, I knew it had moved up, but I couldn't remember the number. What are your expectations win total wise for the Pacers this year? So I, again, I, I think I said to you guys earlier, um, five or six seed is kind of the ballpark I have. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Five or six seed would be much more in the 40 win oh, yeah. area. Oh yeah, um, probably forty-five, like forty-eight. I, I would say even more than that. Five, five went. Uh, fifth seed last year was like the Knicks, um, and they were. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up while we're doing this, but I okay. want to say they were about forty-eight wins or so. Yeah, you know, part of me was like, you know, forty-four, forty-five was the number I'm hovering around. So maybe that doesn't necessarily meet like five to six seed threshold, but that's kind of where I'm at right now is five to six seed, forty-four ish wins um i don't know if i'm like outright jumping on a table like i'm gonna take that you know over again <clears throat> just because last year it was a reminder of like oh man when Halliburton goes down yeah yeah about that so you know watching <laughs> how this team how that plays out if he does suffer another injury or, or again I, I i go back to the earlier point of and i think he showed enough last year that i'm not overly worried about this but I mean, how do teams try and look at him and say, oh, boy, he is easily the head of the snake? You know, Turner's not a one. Matherin's not a one at this level just yet. Bruce Brown's not a one. You know, if you take him away, you know, Buddy Heald's not going to go out and score 32 without Halbert on the floor. Um, you know, those would be, you know, questions I would have. So, yeah, I'll say hovering right around 43, 44 uh, in that 5-6 range. I think that would make a lot of sense. So I saw it was the Knicks that had the fifth seed last year, 47 wins. Brooklyn Nets were the sixth seed at 45. So you weren't weren't too off. I, I think that uh, the East is looking real competitive this year. So if you want to be anywhere in that range, yeah, 45 wins is going to have to be it because I just think the teams at the top are still looking real good. A lot of those teams did not uh, 
lose anybody of the sort between Milwaukee. You know, I know Boston made some changes. Philly, we'll see how it plays off. But, hey, it, the East, super competitive. For me, I would say I got the Pacers hopefully right around 42, 43 wins. I think it's a solid step forward. Um, it's, you know, it might only be good for maybe the seventh or so. I still think they're in the play-in range. Alex, what did where did you have them at this year? I had them seventh. You had them ninth, I think, when we were doing I got them prediction. ninth, but but even win-wise, I think I had them at, I think at 42 wins was, was ninth. Yeah, I had them you 43 know? at seven, I think. So it's it's tough. And I'll be honest, I probably haven't done as good of a gauge in the East as I know you guys have. So, you know, that's a little bit of internal bias of just living in this market and not really uh, taking a huge look at it. But um, I think this team could have easily been in one of those play-in mixes last year. And so at the bare minimum, I think getting to, you know, one of those home play-in games, you know, would be very, very important. But – Again, I I just stress the point of, you know, a lot of these guys, this is your core. I mean, yeah, you might make one big splash coming up and, you know, who knows, you might hit on a pick here in the next year that's really, really important. But, I mean, for the most part, when I look at this group and I look at the dozen names on the list, I mean, of the top seven, top eight that I think you would want to build around for the next handful of years, I mean, over half is easily here, if not, you know, higher than that. So experience those moments are like and you know, it can be baby steps to it um, that, yeah, you get in the round, you know, the series goes, whatever, five or six. And then the next year, maybe you're winning a series. You know, things like that, um, just critical, I think, for this franchise. And and most importantly, this current core to experience that. Yeah, I was going to ask you real quick because the backup big position, too, has been very interesting to look at because Isaiah Jackson didn't look great in summer league. He looked okay. The foul trouble was very concerning to me, but then you got a guy like Jalen Smith, who was a starter last year as a power forward, ends up losing that spot all the way out of the rotation. We had Miles Turner on our podcast, and he felt that Jalen probably grew the most last year just by going through all that he went through. And then you got Daniel Tysel on the roster, and he just won gold with Germany. When you look at that backup position behind Miles, who do you think fits the best? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I mean, I- Part of me looks at what you know Tice is you know, obviously just did, but certainly did even in Boston and think, I mean, if healthy, I mean, how do you not give him a look? I mean, I know that gets away from our thinking of this time last year of oh yeah Jackson and Smith, Jackson Smith, Jackson and Smith. Um, I think early on in the year, I mean, that mindset I think should be taken of you know okay let's try and play the guys it gives us the best chance to you know finish with the highest seed possible or however you want to describe it and um i think tice deserves a a very long long look at that and i mean let's not act like it was just a flash in a pan a month in the world cup and this guy has an nba resume that he started meaningful meaningful games plenty of playoff games in his career and it's not like isaiah jackson and jalen smith have done much to say oh no they 1000 percent deserve it the only reason we say they deserve a look right now is their age and that to me is something that now we're getting into this gray area where is it age? Is it production? What is it? So I think earlier in the early in the year, it should be Tice. Of course, you're going to have injury. You know, Turner's obviously missed time. So, you know, those guys will get opportunities. Um, but I think right now, Daniel Tice deserves a really, really long, hard look. And obviously, you know, it's not like he got that once he was traded to Indiana last year. So, uh, yeah, that's where I would go. Yep. 
in, we mentioned about Buddy. Hey, they're going to look to find a new home. The Pacers for him. The, the Pacers have done great by their veterans of looking to. Hey, if if it's not going to work out here, we'll work on a deal together. And they never blindside anybody. They're up front with that. TJ McConnell, I guess, is someone right now that he could be falling out of the rotation a little bit, or we don't know what his role will be. If you look at the last few years, his minutes have come down about three to five minutes per year. Now you got the rise of Andrew Nimhard. You're bringing in guys that could also handle the ball, and Bruce Brown, who can play multiple positions. Uh, for McConnell, how do you see that playing out this year? Uh, do you think they look to find a new home, or is it once again – T.J. McConnell defies the odds and makes it work. Yeah, I, I just look at Nemhard as a point guard in this league, and that's where I, I view him wanting to run the second unit. And um, certainly he's shown the ability to do other things than just that, but I really think there's something there. And certainly there are moments in games where he can help you out off the ball and you know he can just be a defender for you. Um, and I love T.J. McConnell, and, and there's at least three to four nights a year, if not more, where you know I sit there late first quarter, early second, and think, oh, my gosh, he just totally changed the game in two possessions. And there's not a lot of guys that I say that about, so I don't want to undermine what he's doing. But uh, to me, it's a little bit more of like when you when you give up Buddy, I, I don't see anybody else in the roster. I'm like, wait, that's the obvious replacement there. With McConnell, to me, it is Nemhard. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would probably disagree and say, no, 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 Nemhard can, you know, he can play off the ball and and, and that's where he's best suited. Um, to me, I just look at it and think, boy, if Halliburton and Nemhard are your point guards moving forward, gosh, that is a great, great duo to have. Certainly if Halliburton has any injury issues, you know, Nemhard, I think, could fill in admirably, admirably. And then, of course, you know, he can still help you out. Defensive assignment in particular late in the game or, you know, whatever guys are struggling on the wing, he can he can play that as well. So McConnell's one where it, it to me it fits a little bit more into the log jam of are you stunting them hard moving forward? Because I do think that's his best spot. Whereas with Buddy, I don't have anybody else in the roster in that light. I still think DJ McConnell helps you out without question. He impacts the game, all of those things. Uh, but when you're trying to play the minute puzzle there, to me it does create a little bit of a log jam on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Nimhard because I do know for a fact that the team really liked how he did alleviate some of the defensive pressures off Tyrese by starting next to him. But at the same time, Bruce Brown's getting paid a lot of money and he can probably do some of those same things defensively. But at the same time, you have to realize Bruce Brown has been a six man when he's been his best most of his career as well. And if you're trying to keep Nimhard long term and he's part of the young core, doesn't make sense to kind of see what him and Halliburton and Matherin could be like together on the court together for a long stretch with a Miles and an Obi Toppin and then kind of make your second unit more veteran heavy with Buddy, with McConnell, with Bruce Brown, with Neesmith, with Jairus Walker, with Tice. So it is an interesting dynamic. I would say that if you're Nimhard, you don't want to be demoted to just a backup point guard because right, I, right. I, I do think that he, and he shouldn't be just exclusively right. that. Right. And that and that's the whole thing. It's like he might not start this year, but I, I think there's going to be a way that he plays himself back into the starting lineup because of how much Carlisle adores him and how much he relied on him last year. I mean, you don't see Carlisle trust rookies like he trusted Andrew Nimhard last year. Yeah, he gave Benedict Matherin opportunities, but the, the leash was pretty tight on him. They let Nimhard struggle a lot of times with different things, but that's because defensively he brought so much more to the table. And I think that's what's going to keep him on the floor 
for longer stretches of time than maybe you would expect for a second year guy because of his defensive ability. No, I, I, I think that's a good point. And I don't, I, I want to make sure I don't pigeonhole them hard into just being like a backup of the future. I mean, I, I think he brings a lot of great qualities to you, but you know, whether it was summer league or I just loved even at Gonzaga, how he ran the show with a lot of great talent around mm-hmm. him when he was asked to do that. And, you know, certainly the Jalen Suggs transition was something that, you know, he, he, he wore a lot of hats and I think that's what makes him so attractive to Mark few and, and Tommy Lloyd's had high praise for him and Rick Carlisle clearly likes him as well. But I just think in general guys, like this whole conversation, it, it's just a reminder of like, if you're a Pacers fan, how do you not be really about this season of, you know, the real, real hope, the amount of versatility, the amount of youth sprinkled in with some veterans there um, this is a really, really, I think, exciting time to be a Pacers fan. And um, I, I, I think there's a lot of um, you know bright moments on on the horizon for this franchise. And that's not something that I utter with such confidence, you know, late September in quite some time. So, you know, credit to their organization for, you know, again, realizing several years ago that they needed to pivot in a big, big way. They did that successfully. And now they're in a position that I think um, fans should view it in a very, very exciting manner. Just so much competition at each position for the most part, which I think just makes this team so deep. They're young. It feels that they can continue to build together for years to come. So, you know, my last question for you is what would uh, what would constitute as perhaps, you know, a, a failure of a season? People have success you know, defined by many different ways, but what would be a real letdown of a season? When we know the Pacers are not expected to contend but in your eyes, what would be a, oh man, you know what? They just really came up short this year. Yeah. I, again, I tend to think something that nine ten range, you know, ultimately missing the playoffs. I don't know. I hate to put like so much stock into the play in and, and what can happen. Obviously Miami would be raising their hand at that, but um, that, and then maybe big picture it, individually, you know, Matherin doesn't take a step forward. Uh, it looks choppy with him and Halliburton out there. That would be another one. You know, maybe the Bruce Brown debate is like, ah, yeah, he's, you know, more of a four or five, you know, option. Um, you know, maybe the four position, you know, OB, it's still, uh, maybe the the Knicks were right. You know, some of those things, I think individually, uh, you know, Matherin is probably the one that's most on that front burner and understandably so. But that's kind of where I'm at team-wise, again, in, in that 9-10 range. Um, but I would say individually – a lot of it is, do you need to go out and really feel like you need to get the big, big piece? Um, you probably still need to, but, you know, just Matherin alleviate any of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun year, KB. And, you know, I can't end our conversations without asking you a football question. So we uh, we recently, on our podcast last week, around the same time we're releasing this one, uh, we did a quarterback comparison to point guards in the NBA. And Tyrese Halliburton was one of the people that we decided that we were going to try to find a quarterback comp for me and Fachi had different answers. So I'm curious if you could find a quarterback equivalent to Tyrese Halliburton, who would it be for you? Oh boy, that is a good one. So I, I current, I assume. Yeah. We said current yeah. NFL quarterbacks, not former like. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'll tell you our answers after you give yours. Okay. So am I giving mine or am I trying to guess your guys's? You're no, giving you yours. Give your own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's a good one. You know, I want to pick kind of a, a bit of a dual threat because he can facilitate and he can score. Um, I don't think he's like a freak athletically, which you know probably doesn't really fall into like the dual threat nature. Those guys are 
pretty pretty darn athletic. Um, damn, you guys are good. This is a good one. Uh, guys that can move a little bit, but not are like crazy crazy scramblers. Um, gosh. I don't know, like a higher end Justin Herbert. I I feel like Herbert. That's is- what I said. Oh right. really? Justin yep. I said somebody different. I pick. Nice. Gosh, yep. I thought I was really grasping there. Um, man, I'm gonna <laughs> sleep. I'm gonna sleep better tonight after. Yeah. after hey, look. First, it was nerve wracking because it's like we did this this you know this exercise or whatever, and you're like you, you could be completely wrong, but you can't really be right either. So it's like you're kind there's of there's no right answer. I yeah, mean, there is, but so, there isn't. Like just as long as it makes somewhat sense. Like if you can I explain know. why you made the pick, then that's all that matters. But I was trying to tell him, he was like, "Man, I'm overthinking this. This is really hard." I was like, "Don't overthink it. Just have fun with it. It's just like nah, it's an opinion. You can't, can't be wrong." Be, I was doing the same thing you were doing. I'm sitting here. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like. Alex was giving me some point guards that really haven't achieved like that much in the league. And I'm trying to like relate them to other guys in the NFL. And it was tough. It felt like Herbert, Halliburton, like they could lead a high powered offense, but they still haven't really won anything yet. Like Herbert Blue doesn't have any teams. playoff wins. Halliburton's never made it to the playoffs. Like I felt like they kind of fit the same type of style. And I was like, you know what? Like that's what I'm going with. Alex, who, who was yours again? I picked Tua. Tua. Yeah. Yeah. He was one that I that that I thought about as well. Um, yeah, and I do think Tua. There is a little bit of uh, maybe a little bit more of of a flair. You know, I was trying to think of that as well. I mean, Halliburton's got a little flair to him too. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he can do some of the razzle dazzle stuff. But yeah, Herbert. Thank you, Fauci, for explaining that because that's pretty much described kind of what I was thinking. I was struggling to maybe say it. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good game. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we did about eight quarterbacks eight or eight point guards and then compared them to quarterbacks. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, we only had one commonality and that was Patrick Mahomes to Steph Curry, everything else we were yeah. different on, which was so funny. And uh, I had some people text me and say they really enjoyed the exercise. So we might continue doing that as we move along, but coming up with eight, we thought it would, I thought it'd be like a 15 minute segment and we ended up spending like 30 plus minutes on it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, maybe we should That's awesome. every, every time, yeah. but it was fun. Yeah. So other than that, I got nothing else to say. KB, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, just yeah, our, 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 our morning show. I guess I will plug something now that yeah. I think about it. Uh, yeah, it's the wake up call with uh, myself, Kevin Bowen and Andy Sweeney. Andy and I have been doing it together for about a little bit over a month uh, now. So yeah, seven to 10 AM every morning. And, you know, as we get into Pacers season, obviously a lot to recap with that. And certainly a lot of Colts conversation yeah. right now. So uh, as always, boys, I enjoyed it. Man, and check out, appreciate you. Check out the TikTok too so we can get uh, the picks, right? Well, yes, Maddie Bowen, my, my my wife. Yeah, actually, I need to get a hold of her to make sure that she's got this video ready to go. Um, she has been editing my one-year-old crawling to football helmets. Oh, I, I love that. Eight, eight. A tease for this week, it's Colts-Ravens. We went outdoors, considering the game is played outdoors. We thought Max would be a little bit more open-minded to it. Bit of a struggle. Um, I know some people were attacking, saying he's too right-hand dominant. You need to, you know, switch up the helmets and make sure the Colts are on the right side. So moving forward, I think we're going to have the visiting team on the right side. So we'll see if those that were clamoring for the right hand of Max (laughs) Bowen, we'll see if that – that continues. Yeah, I guess he, he, you know, on the scouting report, it's forced the kid left right now. Yep, yep. I, I love it. Hey, I'll be <laughs> tuning in for that. 
see what he picks this week. But, hey, KB, we really appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure, and we'll have to have you back on again once the season's underway. Boys, you guys do amazing work. Pacers Nation's lucky to have you. So uh, thank you for all you do, and uh, definitely have to hop on again during the season. Thanks, KB. Talk soon. See you guys. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.